Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Ultimate NFL Season Preview, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Our Locked On local experts are here to help you get ready for the NFL season by going division by division, covering every team, their rivals, and the best players. But first, our Odyssey insiders Ross Tucker and Jason Lockenfor are here to share their thoughts on each division. Today, it's the AFC West. Let's get this thing started. We'll go to our Odyssey insider Jason Lockenfor with his thoughts on the division. The AFC West, well, you already know the story. It's the Kansas City Chiefs and everyone else, right? I don't know too many people in the football world who don't believe the Chiefs will be far and away the best team in that division and quite arguably the best team in all of football. I love the upgrades that they made to the offensive line. Uh, I love someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire in year two now getting a normal offseason in that offense. And Patrick Mahomes will be the odds-on favorite to collect as much hardware as anybody in this league. But who else will step up? I do believe this division is good for one wildcard team. I lean to the L.A. Chargers. You have to think at some point they stay a little bit healthy. Justin Herbert is absolutely the real deal. Yes, I have reservations about the offensive line. I hope that's a position group that the Chargers are willing to add to between now and the trade deadline. But overall, I think the level of coaching that Brandon Staley is going to bring, the level of game management, some of the analytics, things that frankly were lacking there in the past, will come to the four, and that, with a little bit of good luck, will get the Chargers to 10 wins or even north of it. I think Denver will be vastly improved as well. It's a quality defense. Teddy Bridgewater will take care of the football and be the kind of game manager that Vic Fangio really prizes. They will run the ball as well. They will restore a home field advantage that was lacking without fans. I think Denver will be playing meaningful games into December Not sure if they come out with a wild card or not, but they'll be in the hunt. And the Raiders, for me, frankly, just too much lacking on the defensive side of the ball. I still don't buy their pass rush to any degree. I still don't buy their secondary to any great degree. And one of their biggest strengths the previous three or four years, the offensive line, boy, it's a different unit now. Uh, I don't think it's going to be nearly as productive as some of their offensive lines in the past. And I still don't think Derek Carr has too much longer with the Raiders, certainly not beyond this year. And here we are for a crossover, killer crossover actually, because we're sitting here talking to all four AFC West hosts. Let's just dive right in. The Kansas City Chiefs were the number one team in the AFC West last year. 
I do believe that they're probably uh, going to repeat that, but we'll talk about that a little bit more. The biggest change that they've had this season has been their offensive line, five new starters, including three guys that are practically rookies, two that are rookies, one that didn't play last year at all because he opted out. Uh, so that is going to be the biggest change that they're going to be going through right now. They have a couple of guys that are going to be new on defense, uh, namely Willie Gay. Chris Jones is going to be defensive end, so that's a little bit of a change. But really, this roster remains intact from last year. Obviously, like you said, the biggest thing is the offensive line and how they all come together with the preseason and not getting a lot of burn. Of course, no team wants to to get their guys injured. I mean, it's going to take, in my opinion, kind of a long process for this offensive line to come together. That's one of those units you can't just practice. You've got to actually do it at the same time. you got to have game action. So how far do you think it takes down the line for the offensive line to all come together? It's a great question, and I think that's one of the reasons that they're playing a lot in the preseason, and I think that they're getting a lot of snaps together. So uh, I think that that's going to be something to watch, definitely, and I'm expecting they're going to play probably at least further into the second quarter yes, or tomorrow in their preseason game, or I'm sorry, on Friday night in their pre- third preseason game. Uh, but we'll see how that ends up. I do think it's going to take a couple of weeks for them to actually get into the real groove and, and you know have chemistry as a unit. We saw how explosive that Chiefs offense has been the last couple of years, but that hasn't really been the question. Or, you know, if there is any questions about that team, it's on the defensive side of the ball. Do you think that this Chiefs defense is going to look any differently? And did they make enough moves in this offseason to make you feel better about that unit? I do think it's going to look differently a little bit. With Chris Jones going to defensive end, they have Jerron Reed now that's going to be in the middle of the defense. So I think that's going to help when you start looking at pass rush. Derek Naughty is going to be the guy that's going to be trying to help them stop the run. So the big question is, is is Chris Jones going to be enough next to Frank Clark to get pass rush there? Uh, I think, you know, when you start looking at the linebacker unit, I think they got better. Nick uh, Bolton was a guy that they drafted in the second round. I don't know how much he'll play this year. Uh, He's right now behind Hitchens and Willie Gay and and Gay's going to be stepping into a starting role. I think that's going to help them with team speed. Big question I have is going to be the secondary. I do think that they have a lot of talent there, but there are a lot of young guys too. Well, looking at Legereus Sneed, he's one of those players I have my eye on just as an AFC West division rival. Really liked what we saw from him last year. And you factor in Tyron Matthew there on the back end. We know that he wants a contract extension. We know that Brett Veach has said, hey, money's a little tight considering some of the contract options there with Patrick Mahomes and obviously adding the offensive line after they made all those changes uh, this offseason, obviously at the tackle position with Schwartz and Fisher you know, leaving essentially. A big surprise to many people after those releases, but they've rectified that. As you had mentioned, what is it that you feel like the Chiefs need to do to maybe take that next step, right, to get back to win the Super Bowl? I mean, it's easy for them to say, you know, hey, they can get back there. They have all the talent to do it. But what would be the difference maker for them in order to actually win if they do get back? I think that it begins and ends with the offensive line. Uh, You know, when you're playing your third string unit in the Super Bowl last year, which a lot of the guys on their line was third string for him. Uh, you're not in a good situation. You know, you go out and get a Pro Bowl tackle in Orlando Brown. You go get an All-Pro in Tooney. And now you have Creed Humphrey, who I think is going to step in and play fantastic uh, from the get-go. And from all accounts that we've seen in training camp and really in the preseason games, uh, Smith, their right guard, is looking like possibly quite a steal. And obviously he felt because of medical reasons, but Kansas City felt comfortable with him. So I think that's a great situation for them. And then they have Lucas Niang, who I think they weren't planning on starting. Uh, But when Rimmer started having back spasms, 
it looks like he Niang took over the right tackle position. So like I said earlier, I think they're going to be rolling with basically three rookies at this point. Uh, and if you can get to the Super Bowl or, you know, if you get to the playoffs and are in a situation where you have at least four fifths of that starting unit, good to go. I think you're in a good situation. You know, looking back at last year, losing your left tackle, the AFC championship game, that's brutal. And then basically having two guys having to play different positions than they played all season, uh, playing right tackle and left tackle. I think that was really hard. And that was something that they just couldn't overcome. All right. So now it comes the fun time of this conversation. When you look at the Kansas city chiefs, you start talking about stealing players, boy, it's easy to look at players and say, man, if that guy was on my team or if that guy was on this team, boy, he would be dangerous. And I think when it comes to the Kansas city chiefs outside of about three teams in the league, everyone's going to say Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not going to go and and grab that low hanging fruit. And I'm sure that that's a big sigh of relief right there. I'm sure Chris, you don't want me to, to go and steal Patrick Mahomes and, you know, keep him in the division and with, a, a division rival, hated rival like the Raiders. So I'm going to go and steal a guy that I'm a big fan of. I ask you about him every single time that we talk when we do crossovers a couple times a year. Uh, McCole Hardman. I'm going to go with him. I, I feel like he's kind of an X-factor guy. He's got the return ability, which is that's game-changing for me. I just think that that's, got, that's the kind of guy that has the ability to, to make the momentum shift in a game immediately. Of course, he's got the wide receiver skills, but to be able to go back there, and I always go back to that, that Texans and that Chiefs game in the playoffs a couple years ago where the, the Chiefs were down 24 nothing. All of a sudden, they, the, the Texans kick off, and McCole Hardman brings it back 50-something yards, and it's like, boom! There it is. That's the excitement that they needed, and they got jump-started. And, well, I ain't got to tell you the rest. You know how it shook out. Uh, the Chiefs ended up beating the brakes off the Texans. I'm going to steal McCole Hardman, man. But for the Chiefs, how big of a loss would that be? I think it's a big loss. I think that that's kind of a surprise with the other talent that's on this roster. But I, I get it. I mean, he is a guy that has game-breaking speed. The question with him is going to be, can he step into that new t- number two wide receiver role this year? And that's going to be something that he, if he can do, I think is going to take his game to a whole new level. From the Chargers' perspective, when I look at the Chiefs, great roster. I look at the defensive side, one playmaker, just an absolute game wrecker, Chris Jones. Put him, I know you guys were moving him out to to defensive end this season, but I would put him right back in the middle, (laughs) and I'd have him with that interior push. The Chargers haven't really had that since a guy named Jamal Williams was there manning that spot. So to have him in the middle of that defensive line with Joey Bosa on one side, Uchenin Wosu and Kyler Fackrell on the other side, that would be almost as lethal as it gets. How big of a loss would that be? I mean, we know you guys gave him a lot of money, so what would that look like with no Chris Jones? That'd be a huge problem for Kansas City because you're looking at a situation where right now Frank Clark is out injured. Uh, he possibly has some off-the-field issues as well. And right now they don't have a pass rusher outside of Frank Clark and Chris Jones uh, that I feel really comfortable with. So uh, you'd be going to Mike Dana as your starter across from Frank Clark. I don't think that that's going to give anybody problems or nightmares at night. So that'd be a huge loss for Kansas City. Well, from the Broncos' perspective, I feel like for us sitting in this position, I mean, you know, Q didn't take Patrick Mahomes, but here's the deal. Could you imagine Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, at altitude? I mean, we've seen him throw it. Yeah, I don't want to. Before. The ball sells, though. <laughs> I'm not going to go with Patrick Mahomes either just because I feel like that is too low-hanging fruit, as Q had mentioned. Instead, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to pluck away Tyron Matthew. And the reason I say that is because he is a phenomenal leader, and I think he's done a really great job of helping kind of transform the culture of the Chiefs' defense under Steve Spagnolo. What type of impact would it be if Tyron Matthew were to not be a Kansas City Chief, hypothetically? How might that impact our defense, and would you be confident 
and maybe some of the other depth guys behind Tyrone Matthew to maybe fill into that role if he were gone. I do not feel confident in the guys behind him to take his spot. Uh, I will say Justin Simmons and Tyron Matthew, that'd be a nasty duo for safety. So, yeah, I can't say I blame you there too much. Although, honestly, a QB, I I just don't understand why you wouldn't have taken one. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I get why it's low-hanging fruit. I understand it. What I will say, though, is if you are looking at what Tyron Matthew has done to this defense, he's brought attitude, he's brought intelligence, he's brought just about anything you could ask for a player and don't get me wrong, Daniel Sorensen has a lot of intelligence. Uh, you know, Juan Thornhill has a lot of speed. He does very well on the back end. But there's not another Tyron Matthew on this team. There's no one close to Tyron Matthew. So to me, I just don't think that you can take anybody else. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now we're going to shift our transition over to the las vegas raiders who finished second in the afc west last season some competitive games against the kansas city chiefs in prime time action they both traded The Las Vegas Raiders won on the road at Kansas City, and the Chiefs won on the road at Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, Outside of that, your boy Q hosts Locked On Raiders. And Q, tell us a little bit about what's changed here with this Las Vegas Raiders football team heading into 2021. You know, it's all all about the defense. it was it was a train wreck. I'm trying to think of a nice word. I don't want to be too disrespectful, but the defense was just awful in 2020. It was awful in 2019. It's just it's been the Achilles heel of the team for the longest, and it just had to improve, you know. So Paul Gunther got fired at the end of uh, uh, at the 2020 season, not quite even making it to the final game. Uh, Gus Bradley, who's very well familiar with everyone in the AFC West, he's now the defensive coordinator. He brings over Ron Miles as the secondary coach, and uh, also Richard Smith as the linebacker coach. And they go out and they make a a lot of moves for guys along the defensive line. They continue to add some draft capital and, and, and use that on defensive guys. And 
has got to improve. It's it's got to improve. It can't give up 30 points a game in 2021 and think it's going to win some games. To be honest, for them to win eight games, giving up 30 points a game was pretty impressive. I, I was actually pretty impressed that they finished eight and eight when they gave up 30 points a game. I mean, you just don't do that. So uh, Gus Bradley has a tall task in front of him, getting these young guys on the defensive end to figure it out. You know, Max Crosby's Jonathan Abrams. Uh, Casey Hayward comes over from the Chargers. I know he's not a young guy, but he's a veteran. So uh, Damon Arnett, he's there to kind of, uh, you know, kind of teach him and school him. Uh, you know, of course, Unique Ngakwe comes over as a free agent. I mean, you see the, the theme here, defense, defense, defense. If it could be better, and I'll say from being at training camp every day, it looks the part. It looks like it's flying around making plays, but it's training camp and it's preseason, so you take it with a grain of salt. You got to get it done once the season starts. All right, so I have to ask you, Q, looking at the Raiders, the thing that didn't make sense to me going into this offseason is what they did with their offensive line. Uh, I understand, you know, you go get Leatherwood as your as your first string, your right tackle. What have you really thought and what have you seen from them so far? Because to me, I agree with you. The defense was the Achilles heel, and I completely agree with that. But changing up the offensive line what I that I thought was a strength to change all these different players – How's it looking to you so far right now? I mean, it's 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 a big question mark. Like you said, it was something that everyone kind of thought, what in the world's going on when they start unloading guys, especially Rodney Hudson, uh, all pro center, and Gabe Jackson have been with the team for a long time. Uh, Trent Brown was never a big deal. Trent Brown, they they moved on from him. He never played for the team. I mean, he played two years, and he was only there for eight games. So, I mean, he was never available. Uh, he just wasn't motivated. He's back in New England. So be it. That's cool. Uh, they go out to get Le- Alex Leatherwood, like you mentioned, and replace uh, Trent Brown. Uh, the other two guys were kind of question marks, but they got younger, they got cheaper, and they got more athletic. And, and this is in their words, you know. And so they feel good with the direction that they're going. Uh, they had been looking at uh, Andre James in practice for a long time. He was an undrafted free agent out of UCLA. He's now man in the center position. And, uh, you know, they have Denzel Good, who actually filled like three or four roles last season uh, at the right guard position, or left guard, excuse me, position right now with Richie Incognito, 38-year-old Richie Incognito at the at the left guard position. So, I mean, it's it's a question. It's similar to Kansas City where they went and, and redid the offensive line. You won't know until you know. Uh, that's kind of how it is with the offensive line. I won't know how good it could really be until they get three, four, or five games under their belt and say, okay, this is solid. That was a good move. Or, well, you got a problem. You know, Derek Carr can't throw the ball from his back. Josh Jacobs can't run the ball if he's on his back. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the nature of the beast. Until you get into uh, the actual games and the Bullets are live, you won't really know. But from what I've seen, it looks the part. But again, it's practice, it's training camp, it's preseason. You really don't know. It's not been enough reps as far as I'm concerned. Well, Q, you know I got to go after the defensive side of the ball, my man, and sure. because you guys have Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator from the Chargers. Uh, one of our biggest frustrations with Gus Bradley is that with his scheme, he doesn't conform his scheme to his players. His players must conform to his scheme. And we didn't see a lot of adjustments from game to game, even in game. Right. So how confident are you that that defense, first of all, has the right personnel And second of all, that Gus Bradley is actually going to be able to make adjustments in game and from game to game. You know, the adjustments game to game is is definitely a concern. That's something that he's got to figure out a way to do. No doubt about it. Uh, I'll just say this as far as the defense goes and, and Gus Bradley, it can't be worse than what it was last year. I mean, it really can't. You know, you know when they say there's no other way to go up, but or there's no other way to go but up. I mean, it's got to be better. There's a lot of young talent on the team. I like a lot of the players. I like the fact that they got Trayvon Merrick out of TCU in round two. I thought that that was a steal. Um, I, I like. 
I like uh, Max Crosby on the outside. I think he could be really good on the defensive line. Unique Ngakwe, I've been pounding the table for a while for him to be, uh, you know, a guy that the Raiders go out and go get. They did. You know, they made that move. They're pretty deep on the defensive line. Uh, again, they got all come together. You know, the linebacking position's been a problem for a while. You know, now they got Corey Littleton. Uh, they picked him up from the Rams uh, a year ago. He looked lost last season, but he was he was thinking. So now... Now it looks like Gus Bradley has kind of dumbed it all down, as you very well know, makes it more simplified, got that cover three scheme that he runs, and uh, it just makes guys go pl- make plays. The, the thing is, they just got to go make the plays. So uh, I feel a lot better that the, t- that the defense is going to be better. And the one thing that I, I do say is I feel like the Raiders' offense is going to be good enough where they won't always be playing from behind. And this is not a shot at the Chargers, but there was too many times, in my opinion, the Chargers' offense – failed the defense and didn't live up to its end of the bargain as well. So I think that the offense will be able to kind of compliment them, but there's going to be times, and you know, there's going to be times where the offense ain't going to be able to do nothing, and it's going to be on the defense to make it happen. Can they do that is the question. I'm going to focus a little bit on the uh, the coaching side of things, personnel. There's been a lot of talk this offseason in outside circles really about John Gruden, right? I'm going to go to a big daddy reference here. He's got a 10-year plan, right? But the reality is this deep for John Gruden, there's been some talk about the Raiders' concerns with drafting. Obviously, Leatherwood addresses an issue at right tackle. Obviously, fill in that departure of Trent Brown there. But outside of that, we, we know that Divine Diablo, he's playing linebacker now, a safety convert yeah. to linebacker. What about the draft strategy? Because that's always really been the biggest question for the Raiders the last three years under Gruden has been their drafts have been very, very odd. Does that maybe impact the type of pressure that John Gruden's feeling this season? I mean, it could. And that's a very good point because the Raiders don't have really good depth right now. And the reason they don't have really good depth is because they haven't drafted really well. I mean, let's just cut the BS. I mean, that's what it is. They haven't drafted really well. They got a guy here. They got a guy there. Great. Your first string of guys is good. But after, you know, if a guy goes down, injury happens, who's your next line of defense? You know, they just had to go out and make a move for a linebacker and Denzel Perryman, who, as you know, as we all know, is, is really kind of, even at 28, still on his last legs because he's always banged up. So they don't have the, the depth that they need because they haven't drafted very well. Uh, they got, f- what, five draft picks between um, Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper? And what did they get out of it? Josh Jacobs? I mean, you know, it's just it's the reality of it. You know, I mean, like that's the one guy that you know is a hit. So, uh, yeah, it's part of the problem. Uh, him and Mayock have got to figure out how to not only hit on their first-round draft picks, but later in the draft. Now, they do have a young man in Nate Hobbs. They got in the fifth round this year. He's very promising. At least he seems like he's very promising. A young rookie. Uh, I think they hit, that's a good hit. Uh, you know, and, and you'll see what else happens. You know, you'll have to see if some more of these guys can step up. These lower-round guys can step up. But good teams, they draft really well, not only in the first round, but in the lower rounds. That's where the Raiders have struggled is is getting consistently two or three guys out of each draft. That's how you build your cover to talent, and they haven't been able to do that. That's why they're spending money in free agency. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a problem. I don't think Gruden's on the hot seat. I don't think he goes anywhere until he wants to go somewhere, but it is a concern, and it's definitely somewhere that you point the finger and say, hey, this has got to improve. Let's go ahead and flip on to who we would take from the Raiders. I actually am sitting here thinking there's different positions. I would think Darren Waller probably, but uh, you have Travis Kelsey. So I think I'm going to go on the defensive side and probably say Max Crosby, honestly. Ooh, you uh, dog. <laughs> yeah, I know. But for me, it's because Kansas City, I'm looking at the Chiefs' defense, and they don't have enough pass rushers. And that's one position that I really think that they struggle at is, is at pass rush. So I'm taking Max Crosby. 
Thanks. That's a big blow. Thank you. <laughs> that, that, I mean, damn, we just talked about the lack of depth, man. And so, yeah, that's going to be a struggle. Max is a, is a guy. I'll tell you, man, I, I, in all seriousness, Max, I think, is in for his biggest year. And it's not because it's a new year and that's just what everyone says. This dude is over 17 months sober now. Uh, he said on a podcast he was lost in the sauce. Uh, after his rookie year, and he was kind of bloated. He was playing a little slower. Uh, he wasn't 100% focused on the game. I'm telling you, this dude looks fast out at training camp. He looks focused. He's become a leader. Uh, he, he's a guy I'm excited to see what he's going to do in year three, and I give a, a 100% credit to him being, like I said, a, a sober and, and being over at 17 months sober and, and how much better he's looking at life and, and how excited and pumped up he is. So if you got to steal somebody, man, that's a good one to steal. Fix the man before you fix the player. I love that. Yep. Um, definitely great to hear that he is on the right path there with the Raiders. So when I look at this Raiders roster uh, on the offense, I'm looking at Josh Jacobs. I just love the way he runs the football. He's very physical. Thought he was a, he would be an excellent, and I mean excellent, companion with Austin Eckler. They've really tried to find that runner that can really run in between the tackles and be a, a physical complement to Austin Eckler's pass-catching prowess. If you put Austin Eckler and Josh Jacobs together, that would be extremely dynamic. It really would be, and it's it's what the Raiders are trying to do this year. They put Josh Jacobs with Kenyon Drake. You know, they went out and made that move, and a lot of people said, what the hell would you do that when you got Josh Jacobs? Well, every reason you just said about Austin Eckler is exactly why they're trying to do that. You know, they're trying to have that two-headed monster like you see in Cleveland with Chubb and uh, – and, uh, I forget his name. I, I always forget the other guy's name. He used to be in Kansas City. Kareem, Kareem Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. I, I don't know why. I always I always blank on his name. That's so disrespectful. But Chubb and Hunt, man, they're a really good one-two punch. That's what the Raiders are trying to create, and that's exactly what they would have, or that's what the Chargers would have if they were to steal Jacobs. They would have that with Eckler and Jacobs. That would be one hell of a grab. And, uh, you know, thanks. Another, another great guy you're taking from the Raiders roster. Look, I told you guys already. And, Cody, I'm telling you, I'm pre-warning you. They already have a lack of talent, man. You don't need to take all the talent that they got, all right? <laughs> well, you know, I was actually going to go with Josh Jacobs, but now that he's off the table, I yep. can't really do that. I was just thinking of a combination between Josh Jacobs, Javante Williams is a one-two punch. We know Melvin Gordon's in his final year in Denver here this year. I think th that would be a really good dynamic. I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball, though. Uh, you know, for me, I, I look at Hunter Renfro. I look at Henry Ruggs, and I'm thinking, who am I going to take? I'm going to go with Darren Waller in this situation, right? Uh, another guy who's had a really tumultuous journey he's overcome a lot and is now on the other side of it in a beneficial way I mean he is a tight end by definition but he plays wide receiver he's got unbelievable speed for his size now the question I have is for a guy like Derek Carr who's relied a lot on a guy like Waller what would that do for the Raiders I mean that would take away target number one that was his number one guy you know I mean the Raiders don't have a wide receiver number one they're trying to develop one they have Brian Edwards they have Henry Ruggs they have Hunter Renfro uh, there was conversations in the offseason that maybe they would go after Julio Jones to be a true wide, one number one wide receiver. They didn't. Uh, so, yeah, Darren Waller is the go-to guy. You know, he missed about 10 days of practice with a lower leg injury, and you saw Derek Carr have to spread the ball around. Brian Edwards, Ruggs, they were catching a lot of passes. Zay Jones was catching passes, but uh, he was missing 83. You know, he really was. So, yeah, that would be a huge blow. A guy that, uh, that Derek Carr is very confident in, has plenty of, uh, um, you know, he's on the same page with them at all times. Uh, that would be major. That would be a major loss to the Raiders. Uh, you know, you're, you're taking you're taking Josh Jacobs at one cent. You're taking Max Crosby on one cent. You're taking Darren Waller. I mean, damn, you're not leaving the Raiders with a whole lot. I'll tell you that. I'll ask you this. Since we haven't talked to you, Cody, yet, um, is this like the pink elephant thing where I could steal Darren Waller back if I had to? 
Uh, no, no, no give backs. This is a this is a one time. This is like the uh, the alternate universe in Endgame. You know, there's only a couple scenarios that pan out, and unfortunately, you know, you can only time travel once. So this Cold is where game. we're diving with that. Cold game. But the Los Angeles Chargers are now up in terms of discussion here, a team that took a little bit of a surprising jump and surprisingly enough, a medical incident showcase that now they have a potential franchise quarterback of the future. And he won the offensive rookie of the year in Justin Herbert. D- uh, you know, David, tell us a little bit about how the Chargers are at. What's changed with them heading into this offseason? I know you and the guys over there locked on Chargers have been stoked about a lot of these changes. Oh, man. I mean, it starts with Brandon Staley, the head coach. Uh, unfortunately, they uh, parted ways with Anthony Lynn. Just too many one-score games that they could not win. And it seemed like a lot of those were coaching issues, a lot of special teams issues, a lot of things that could have been controlled, a lot of controllables. And I think that's why, ultimately, the Chargers organization decided to part ways with Anthony Lynn. With Brandon Staley, it's completely different. He's very upfront. He's very uh, honest. He's a lot. He's just a lot more forthcoming. He gives you a lot more information. He's the type of guy who doesn't mind putting that information out because he's confident that he's going to be able to execute what his plan is. So he's going to come in. He's the head coach. He's also going to be the, the signal caller on defense. This Chargers defense is going to be very, very different. With Gus Bradley exiting and Brandon Staley coming in, calling plays, It's going to be a much more aggressive style of defense. You're going to see a lot more blitzing. You're going to see a lot more disguise. You're going to see a lot more movement, a lot more packages. They want to stress the offense. They want to do the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. So, And then they bring in Joe Lombardi from the Saints. They're making a new offense, tailoring that specifically for Justin Herbert and all the incredible weapons. But I think it's also the special teams, which was one of the worst units in the NFL history last season. They brought in Darius Swinton to overhaul that unit. So the Chargers have completely changed their pretty much their entire roster over. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the offensive line. The offensive line has been completely overhauled, similar to the Kansas City Chiefs. There's four new starters that are expected to play on the offensive line for the Chargers. They draft Rashawn Slater in the first round. They sign Matt Filer from the Steelers. They bring in Odey Abushi, and then the lone returning member is Brian Bulaga. So that unit should be much improved, but this is a completely different football team this year, and it is very exciting. All right, so the first question, I don't, my big question for the Chargers is you sit here and you look at how this season is playing out, uh, and obviously the Chargers have been dealing with tons of injuries over the past couple of years. You're hoping that's behind you. But I have to question not playing half your team in the preseason at all. I mean, I would be worried that you're sitting there setting yourself up to struggle in the first couple of games, and you play the Chiefs in week three. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the challenge, especially with the new things that we're seeing on the defensive side. And yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, with all of the starters not playing, but the goal is with all those injury concerns is to get to week one as healthy as possible. And the the Chargers and Brandon Staley has a completely new sports performance team where they're incorporating a lot more stretching, a lot more prehab work so they can get these guys to week one as healthy as possible. As you guys know, One of the most influential defensive players in the league, Derwin James, has been hurt the last couple of seasons. He looks strong. He looks extraordinarily healthy. Hopefully that continues. If this Chargers team gets just some just just regular health from some of their stars on both sides of the ball, 
this is going to be a team that I think is going to surprise a lot of people. And I know we've said that a lot with the Chargers, but I truly believe that with this different voice, you're going to see a different product. You know, and we've uh, we've talked about the offensive line when it comes to the Chiefs. Chris has uh, documented that. We've talked about the offensive line when it comes to the Raiders. We've all documented that. David, same thing. Offensive line, rehauled. You know, a bunch of new guys. How do they gel? How quickly do they gel? And how important is that going to be for their success? I mean, it's paramount. I mean, when you have a good offensive line, you run the ball more efficiently. You're able to throw the ball better. Your play action looks better. It's the spine of your team. The Chargers have neglected putting resources into the spine of their team for the last 20 years. I'm sure Philip Rivers right now is absolutely livid at what he is seeing the Chargers do with the offensive line after he makes his exit. It's just, I mean, it's got to be crazy. But it's it's everything. The Chargers are going to be able to run the ball more. And I think the most important piece that's going to help them gel quicker, Q, is the center, Corey Lindsley, a guy who is the top at his position, an all-pro last year, got to work with one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history with Aaron Rodgers. He brings that wealth of experience and that knowledge over to the Chargers offensive line where he can be that commander of that offensive line. He can get those checks in. He can take some of that work off of Justin Herbert's plate so he can diagnose defenses and get the Chargers in the right play. He is absolutely instrumental in how far this offensive line is going to be able to go this season. You know, one thing with the Chargers, too, looking at it from the perspective of just how fast he has risen, are there any concerns for you? Seeing Brandon Staley was a former outside backer coach for the Denver Broncos before he took the D.C. job with the Los Angeles Rams. They had the number one defensive unit and obviously a very successful unit at that. But now he rises from a position coach to a first-year D.C. to a first-year head coach super quick. And obviously there's a little bit of inexperience as a head coach. What type of concerns might you see come up for a young head coach like Brandon Staley? Well, I mean, hey, whenever you're put in a position that you have never been in before, even though this is a position he has said that he has wanted his entire life, there's going to be some kind of growing pains for everyone. But I think what is going to mitigate some of those growing pains is being surrounded by a collection of talent in your coaching staff from all different walks of life. You're seeing guys from one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL with the Saints and Joe Lombardi as his offensive coordinator. You get Ronaldo Hill, who is a disciple of that Vic Fangio defense that you know very well with the Broncos. He's getting Tommy Donatel from college. He's getting just a collection of different guys who have a shared vision, Who, where he believes in development. The Chargers have not developed their players very well, and that has led to a lack of depth for that team. I think that's going to be different. I think that's going to translate in a few years, but that's how – they mitigate this, but I think it's going to take a couple of games for him to get comfortable because, hey, I mean, this is the highest level, gentlemen. He's got, he's going to have to grow and go through those situations, but he's also incredibly intelligent and he surrounded himself with good people. And I think that's going to be a great start for Brandon Staley. This one's easy for me. I have to say, Joey Bosa is going to be the guy that I steal. <laughs> of course. I mean, I get it. I understand. Joey Bosa is extremely dynamic, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL when he is on the football field. I mean, the question is, is what would the defense look like? Well, you've seen it. I mean, Joey Bosa has been out a couple of years. And when he, when he's out, the Chargers have simply just struggled to get some p- pass rush. And it's been bad. So if you guys took Joey Bosa, my goodness, it would be ugly. Well, I think this one's going to be pretty easy for me. Uh, I'm going to go take 
uh, Kenneth Murray, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. He was there. Uh, he was drafted, what, a year ago? Uh, and I just told you earlier in the beginning of the show that Denzel Perryman uh, was the guy that the Raiders just made a move for because linebacker was a question. Well, uh, the linebacker's not a question there with the Chargers, and uh, I like Kenneth Murray a lot. liked him, like I said, when he was at Oklahoma, and he's a nice young talent, uh, first-round draft pick. Yeah, I'm definitely rolling with Kenneth Murray as, a, as the Raiders linebacker. I mean, hey, that would be a, a tremendous move because K-9 is a dog. He, uh, he is an incredible athlete. He has that sideline-to-sideline speed. He can read and diagnose very quickly. Now, what that loss, I don't think it would be as catastrophic because the Chargers have had another linebacker that's really emerged in this new Brandon Staley defense, and that's Kaiser White. Right. Kaiser White's a, a player who's been with the Chargers a couple of years, but it just seems like with this scheme, he has found that niche, and he has really come alive. He's put on some extra weight, so he's really looking more like a linebacker, but he's a former safety, so he brings that covered skills along with that linebacker body that I think every NFL team is looking for. So if you guys took Kenneth Murray, it would definitely be a blow because he's an incredible athlete, but I think they could mitigate it a little bit with the quality of their depth. See how I am? Ooh. See how nice well, I you am? Know, I already took. <laughs> See how nice I am? I already took. <laughs> that, you know, that's the thing, Q, is – you know, you, you leave it up. You, you know, it's like a tee ball. You like a little softball underhand throw, and he's just going to crush it, man. But I already took Tyron Matthew from the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, if it wasn't for that, I'd take Derwin James, right? I already took Darren Waller. I was surprised if nobody was, took him. If fair. it wasn't for Darren Waller, I would have probably taken Keenan Allen here. But the Broncos, as it stands now, I'm, I'm eager to see who you guys steal from Denver when we get to that. I am going to take Justin Herbert here. And I'm sorry, David, but I was really high on Justin Herbert coming out into the NFL draft. And the hope was that if he actually came out a year sooner, the Broncos were super interested in moving up, trading whatever asset possible to try to get him. Unfortunately, uh, you know, he didn't come out that year. So they went with Drew Locke in round two. Obviously, we know how that's played out for the mm. Broncos. So I'm going to go back and rewind and get that right. I'm going to have Justin Herbert come to the Broncos. And I think we all know that's definitely a huge blow to what the Chargers would do. I mean, that's the move, right? I mean, you take Justin Herbert away and this season is over. I mean, I don't think the Chargers would feel comfortable with Chase Daniel or with Easton Stick running the show for the Chargers. I mean, they have an incredible amount of talent, but Justin Herbert is the guy who makes everybody move. I mean, I don't think anyone saw this type of trajectory for Justin Herbert, really, save for maybe Cody. But I think it was a lot to do with that college offense that he was in and all just the revolving offensive lines and the revolving coaching staffs. But also, that, like I said, that offense just wasn't really an offense that could showcase what Justin Herbert brings to the table, which is a big, strong arm, a guy who can throw 70 yards flat-footed. So if you guys took, oh man, Justin Herbert with that defense, with those weapons, it would be crazy unfair. I mean – that's why it's really interesting when we start talking about the Broncos because their defense is loaded and they have some great weapons. They're just missing that one key element. And if they had Justin Herbert, they would have the, the keys to the kingdom. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
Now, why are you going to make me sad here as we transition to the Denver Broncos coming into the 2021 NFL season? What has changed, gentlemen, since we all last sat down and spoke? Well, a lot since the season has ended. John Elway is no longer the general manager. George Payton comes over and has completely shifted the culture and the perspective of the players in the locker room. There were a lot of players who felt like with John Elway calling the shots, that even if they played well, they weren't going to get rewarded with a contract extension. We've seen players walk. That's guess how Chris Harris Jr. ended up in Los Angeles. So going through that, George Payton, first thing he did, re-signed Shelby Harris, Justin Simmons, locked him up to long-term deals, brought back Von Miller on his club option, one, you know, one year, pretty much $18 million worth this year. Uh, obviously, that's a huge gamble, but they wanted to bring him back. And they also brought back Kareem Jackson. They go out and, you know, the offense is bolstered enough as is as they addressed that in the NFL draft last year. But then they come out and they draft a variety of rookies that have talent. Patrick Sertan out of Alabama, a stout cornerback, very physical. The way that he moves is very special. He's going to add a very special element to their defense. Now, Bryce Callahan is back. They also add Kyle Fuller, formerly of that 2018, very dominant defense led by Vic Fangio and when Brandon Staley was in Chicago as well. So all these Vic Fangio ties that kind of bind. And now they, they look on paper right now primed with a strong defense and with the addition of Javante Williams in the NFL draft they feel like they might have a dynamic one-two punch with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams and they also feel like maybe Javante Williams can overtake Melvin Gordon at some point in the season so with that said that is what's changed with the Denver Broncos so when you look at this team Obviously, the biggest question mark is going to be the quarterback. Where do you think that they're going to be? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to happen this year. Maybe that happens in the future for the Broncos. But how are you feeling about Teddy Bridgewater, and did they make the right decision in that regard, in your opinion? Well, it's a tough decision to make because watching both of those guys throughout the preseason, they were neck and neck, and you can maybe make the argument Drew had the bigger plays downfield, obviously the Minnesota Vikings game, but the Broncos wanted to go with the veteran experience that Teddy Bridgewater provided, which is a very risky maneuver in my opinion, because they've done that since Peyton Manning's retired. Now, granted, they didn't expect Trevor Simeon to be who he was and beat out first-rounder Paxton Lynch, but then since the whole Paxton Lynch-Trevor Simeon experiment, it was veteran quarterbacks, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, and now Teddy Bridgewater. So it is a gamble for Vic Fangio to make this move when you have Drew Locke, who has shown improvement. The things that he's needed to improve on coming into the season, he's carried that over in training camp practices and preseason games. So he was a little dejected that it didn't go his way. I think that maybe Teddy is probably in a better fit in Denver than what he was in in Carolina. That offense, what they had him do was more of a dink and dunk style, which has created the narrative that Teddy doesn't take shots downfield, but he took several shots downfield last year with the Carolina Panthers, and he's got the weapons now in Denver where he has guys like K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Noel Fan, guys who can get downfield vertically and the short to intermediate. Can he hang in the pocket, though? That's the big question. Can the offensive line keep him upright? They look more improved. So Teddy, on paper right now, and the Broncos are selling this, looks like the best option to give them success to compete in the AFC West here in 2021. Do you think that they can go back to Locke if he gets if something happens to Bridgewater? Do you think he'll yeah. be okay with that? Yeah, and, and the Broncos have said that. They, I mean, they're not closing the door on Drew Locke just yet. You know, Vic Fangio said, look, Teddy's the starter, but he has to play good himself. And if he doesn't play good, the Broncos will more than likely go with the young guy in Drew Locke. I mean, it could set up perfectly well for maybe how Drew Locke can maybe reinvent himself during this time while he's not starting. It can give him motivation for when he gets a chance. He's got to make the most of it. 
Got to ask you about Justin Simmons. The Broncos were able to re-sign him. You mentioned that at the top. Uh, that was a big move for the Broncos. But how big of a move was that to be able to lock him in uh, for multiple years and not have to worry about what happens after the season since they had used the franchise tag on him a couple times now? Such a relief. And he's a huge, huge piece to the franchise. The organization, they view him as a cornerstone player, a guy that they love on the field and off the field. He's their two-time Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate two years in a row. He's very involved. And he's got the respect of that locker room. He's got the respect of the coaching staff. And he also has a say in a lot of things. He's their captain. He's their leader. And he meets it to a T. He's everything you want. And he's so cerebral on the back. And if you guys have had the privilege to watch him on film outside of just watching him in the game, you see some of the plays he makes during a game. You're like, wow, you know, he makes these great plays. But to see him back on the All-22, which I hope the NFL brings back here for all of us here soon, he is super cerebral. He sees things before they happen. And he puts the defense in a better position to succeed. So I got to go with the offensive weapons here for the Broncos. I mean, they invested a lot of draft capital into improving that unit. They bring in KJ Hamler. They bring in Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy coming out of Alabama looked like he was going to be extremely dynamic, but he suffered from a case of the drops last year. And KJ Hamler a little bit on the injury side. What kind of gives you confidence or what have you seen so far in this offseason, this training camp, that they're going to be able to turn it around and actually be productive members of that Broncos offense? Yeah, I mean, you make two really great points there. You know, Jerry Judy, he did struggle with drops last year. And going back, you know, I felt like, and I've talked with Q about this, and even Jerry said himself, those are more, I think, along the lines, maybe outside of three or four, which still I think is three or four too many. Most of them were concentration drops, looking to get upfield, because we know he can create separation at the line of scrimmage. It's super easy for him to do that. But it's about being able to look the ball in, catch it, and then get upfield. He was looking to make a move on several of those instances. And I know he had a really rough game against the Los Angeles Chargers towards the end of the season. And that was a real eye-opener for Jerry Judy. And he took some time to reflect on that. K.J. Hamler, he dealt with some injuries last year. Hamstring, obviously being as fast as he is, you're going to deal with some of those soft tissue muscle injuries. But he's in in a really good place right now. We've seen his explosiveness the first game against the Minnesota Vikings, you know, an 80-yard touchdown downfield. I mean, he just abused the Vikings secondary. His speed alone makes things very dangerous. I mean, we talk about Tyreek Hill and his speed. KJ Hamler could be in the same realm there. Now he's obviously got to make more plays, got to stay healthy before he can get to that stature, but he has the potential to do so. Jerry Judy, I think, can emerge as one of those number one wide receivers. Yes, Cortland Sutton is back, but Jerry is going to do so much to create separation on the inside, the outside, and the short parts of the field, and even on crossing patterns. He's just hard to cover. It's so unfair to ask any DB to ever have to cover him one-on-one. David, thank you so much for bringing him up because I actually am going to throw a little bit of a curveball here, and I'm going to take Jerry Judy from the Broncos. Uh, I understand their their defense is very good, and I completely agree with that. They run a different defensive scheme, but to me, Kansas City is really struggling with the number two wide receiver. If McCole Harmon can step into that role, they'll be in a much better spot. But I like what Jerry Judy brought out of college, and I do think that he's a fantastic wide receiver. And honestly, I would have taken Cortland Sutton, but I'm a little worried about the injury from last year. Oh, that's brutal. I mean, Jerry is very good. And I think that when you factor in a Jerry Judy with Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, I mean, how do you stop that? I mean, how do you really game plan? You can't take one option away because the other guy's going to hurt you. That's scary, man. That's why I would love it. I'll tell you how you stop it. You have Patrick Sertain. DBs oh, win games. Roll Patrick. Tide. Let's go. I'm so excited <laughs> that Chris didn't take Patrick Sertain. I'm like, the price is right. Come on down, brother. Patrick Sertain is it. rocking the silver and black, baby. Let's go.
Man, that would be gutting because he has a. He's. I feel like he has all the makings to be a generational talent with his <laughs> size. I mean, I don't know. People recognize this enough when you look at him up close and in person. His size. He's the size of an of a linebacker, but he moves like a cornerback, and yep. he is unreal. Champ Bailey even said more recently that. He reminds me of me, which is scary. Whoa. Look, if he could turn into half the player that Champ is or even half the player that his dad is, he's going to be a fantastic pick for the Broncos. And obviously, if you take him off the defense, that's a bummer. Luckily, right now, the Broncos have Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and Michael Ojemudi. They're still four good cornerbacks, but they're not Patrick Sertan. So no. that one does hurt a little bit, Q. Totally understandable. That's a great pick there, Q. I mean, you guys getting some better cornerbacks would never be a bad thing for the Raiders. No. As far as the Chargers is concerned uh, – the best pa- best version of the Chargers pass rush is when they had two demons coming after the quarterback. Oh, no. So you already know I'm taking not Von Miller. I'm taking oh, Bradley man. Chubb, and I'm going to put him on the other side of Joey Bosa and let them absolutely wreck the league because that's what those two dudes are capable of doing. You've seen Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and have them rush from the same side. Imagine Bradley Chubb and Joey Bosa – Coming after that left tackle on the same side, that would be unfair. And that's why I would pair those two up and have them kill quarterbacks for the next 10 years. Oh, so, you know, you steal Chris Jones from the Chiefs. Now you you know steal away Bradley Chubb from the Broncos. That's, that's a strong defense right there. You know, that would be a huge blow because this is a contract year for Bradley Chubb, and the team is super, super high on him. They're looking to extend him this year. And for him last year, the biggest question was, who's going to step up for the Broncos at pass rush after Von Miller went down right before week one last year? And Bradley Chubb answered that call. And, look, he got better, and he was very emotional. I mean, he made the NFL's top 100 players at number 40 this year. Uh, but he has worked his tail off to get to a point where he can be that dominant presence there and look he and Von Miller they've wrecked havoc you know his rookie year and we have not seen a full year of those two since then where they combined for 26 and a half sacks back in 2018 so that would be a tremendous blow for the Broncos though they would look to replace him with Malik Reed or even Jonathan Cooper seventh rounder out of Ohio State who's been really turning heads so far in training camp and the preseason so that is a that's gutting that's gutting, gentlemen, that, uh, you know, I think we all kind of drew blood in each of the selections that we took from each of the teams uh, that the Broncos will play. But now that's a perfect segue into our final topic on today's Ultimate Division crossover, looking at the AFC West. And we're going to start off with Kansas City. We're going to go down the line in order of the division, uh, how it played out in 2020, as to how they think the division will go here in 2021. Chris, I'm handing the baton to you, my friend. I still think Kansas City ends up winning the division in, in the AFC West this year. Uh, I think that their offense is going to be better than it was in last year because of their offensive line. I think that they're going to be more consistent there. The question is going to be, can the defense uh, continue to maybe even get better than it was? Uh, so that's where I'm going for the winner. I think that the Chargers are probably going to be number two. Uh, if Justin Herbert can play anything like what he played last year, I think they're going to be in a great position to be the number two team in the division. And honestly, number three, and number four, are kind of a toss up for me right now. I do think that the Raiders are going to be better. The question is, is how much better is their defense going to be? And can their offense continue to be consistent? And how are they going to adjust to the newer offensive line? I think probably right now, I feel better about the Raiders uh, overall at number three, and then the Broncos number four, just because I don't think that the Broncos have the quarterback situation figured out. And Bridgewater may be a bridge to the next guy, but I don't think he's going to be somebody that's going to get you much past eight and eight. Maybe, maybe being able to go for a you know 
a wild card spot if you get a couple of lucky bounces. And I think that the Chiefs are the Chiefs until they're not, you know. So I think that they're the division champs. I mean, you got to to beat the champ, to be the chance, you got to beat the chance, right? And that what they say. So uh, yeah, you got to give Kansas City the top notch. I'll say I think that the Chargers and the Raiders battle it out for the second spot. Uh, whoever develops quicker. And the only reason I, I really put the Chargers and have a question mark is because every year we say that the Chargers are going to be really good, and then usually they get snake bitten by injury. But this year, I really just want to see how the new coaching staff is going to going to you know uh, adapt to the team. So I think that there's there, there may be some growing pains here and there. And then, of course, the Raiders, uh, question marks on defense. Can they really be what it looks like they're going to be, that they're going to be better, or is it just kind of a mirage? So that, they got questions there. And if it wasn't for the quarterback position, I'd give the Broncos more credit. But I don't believe in Teddy Two Gloves, and I sure don't believe in Drew Locke. I think that they both uh, turn the ball over. I think they both they're – not, they're not keeping – you know, the defensive coordinators up at night. So um, the worst quarterback in the division is for the Broncos. So that's why I put him in at fourth. No disrespect. <laughs> I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, I, I got to uh, unfortunately agree with everyone else with, with the Chiefs. Until someone dethrones them, I can't feel comfortable that anyone else is going to be able to grab that. I do think the Chargers are a very good team. And if they are healthy, they can challenge the Chiefs. I, I do actually truly believe that. But until it happens, until I see it happen, I can't say that it's going to happen. So Chiefs, are, I think, will be number one. I do believe the Chargers will be number two. They, uh, they, I think they've just put all the right elements in place. We have to see how quickly that's going to gel. Um, but that's my question. I have the Broncos actually uh, going in third here because that defense is absolutely dynamic. Um, and I feel like they're going to be able to take the ball away. They're going to give that ball back to the offense on short fields. And I just have too many question marks for the Raiders. I don't know what their offense is going to look like. Their offensive line doesn't give me much confidence. Uh, their defense, uh, it just I need to see it. And I've seen Gus Bradley. I'm not impressed. Like I said, I talked about the uh, adjustments or lack thereof that we saw with the Chargers as the coordinator. And I just don't like the fact that he does not change his scheme to adapt to the players. It's the other way around. I just don't believe that's how you win football in the NFL, but that's how I have my AFC West standings shaking out. I think we're all in agreement as to how it may start out at, at the top with the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, you know, I think Q says it best. David, I think you said it best. Until somebody dethrones the Chiefs, they have the rightful hold on it, especially coming off of another Super Bowl. And, you know, like I said, I think on the offensive line, they have reloaded. They have some really good talent there with LET coming back, Lucas Niang. I know a little bit about him. I work with uh, somebody who trained him personally for the last couple of years. Um, and outside of that, I just think that they have still all the offensive weapons to be explosive. And look, it's going to be about can you keep up with the Chiefs? And that's been the story for the last few years, and not many teams have been able to do it. So we'll see how things plan out there. But I also believe that the AFC West could arguably be, and I know we say this every year, but I feel like this could be the year that this division could be the best division, or at least the toughest division in football. I know the NFC West will probably contend a little bit and say, hey, we have something different to say there. But I think on paper, there's a real legitimate chance that there could be three teams from the AFC West representing in the AFC playoffs with the added wild card spot. I think that there's a format that kind of favors that. Now, for me, look I think that it could be really a coin flip I think right now the Chargers probably be the favorite on paper for the second spot considering Justin Herbert you know defense are getting guys healthy with Derwin James they have Chris Harris Jr. and they have an identity and a style of defense that many NFL teams want to copy under what Vic Fangio did and of course Brandon Staley you know what he learned everything he's got from Vic Fangio, so he's going to carry a lot of that terminology over there. I feel like it could be a really a coin flip right now between the Broncos and the Raiders, and you know it's really tough for me to say that I think the Broncos are going to be third, you know, without sounding biased, and I never want to sound that way, but I think that 
the defense alone, and not to mention if, and this is a big if in capital letters, air quotes, if, if the Broncos can run the ball effectively and play the style of defense that they have the potential to be, I think they could be a damn good team here in the AFC, but it's going to be very tough to contend with these teams until they really answer that question, who is the quarterback? So I'm going to go with the Broncos at three, and I'm going to go with the Raiders at four, but I don't think that the Raiders are going to be a slouch of a team. Like I said, I think this is going to be the most competitive division in football this year. And I think a lot of it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball. I still think the Raiders are going to explode. I think Derek Carr, all the weapons that they have, Hunter Renfro, he's hard to cover. And then Darren Waller, he's hard to cover. Henry Ruggs, they expect more out of him this year, and they have John Brown now added to the mix. Downtown John Brown. John Gruden's got a lot of weapons, and not to mention Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. And if Jalen Rashard can stay healthy and obviously come to fruition, I think things will work out there. They have a lot of talent offensively. The question is on the defensive side of the ball, as David was alluding to. I've been very skeptical of Gus Bradley for those very reasons, that not adjusting to the things that they've struggled. And I felt like that was really an issue, and you could probably touch on it more, that Gus, uh, that uh, Paul Gunther had as well, not making those adjustments when needed or making them too late, and then it came back to bite you in the tail. So I think that's how the AFC West will play out here in 2021. Incredible insight. Big thank you to everybody for tuning in to our Ultimate Season Preview. To wrap us up, here's Odyssey Insider Jason LaCanfora with his predictions for the division. The Kansas City Chiefs are the class of the AFC. They have been for a few years now, and they will continue to be. I do have some concerns about a true number two receiver emerging. I'm not sure that there's one right now currently on their roster. Mikael Hardman hasn't taken advantage of it. Frankly, no one has really stepped up. That could be one area of concern. Some worry about Orlando Brown as a full-time left tackle. I personally don't. He played exceedingly well at that position uh, in college, he did it for the Ravens last year, replacing an all-pro in Ronnie Stanley. The Chiefs, while there's not a whole lot of money in betting on them to win this division or betting on them to win the conference, given the odds, to me, sometimes chalk is right. In this case, it certainly is. Patrick Mahomes, league MVP. You betcha. Andy Reid, perhaps back in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow as we continue our eight-part series breaking down all 32 teams across all eight divisions ahead of the 2021 NFL kickoff as the ultimate NFL season preview brought to you by Odyssey and the Lockdown Podcast Network continues. Despite all of the dysfunction this offseason, are the Green Bay Packers still the team to beat in the NFC North? We'll find out tomorrow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.